Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Luke, chapter 14. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. No religious Pharisee would invite a man like this to a dinner because they considered him a sinner. And so he's a plant. They placed him in front of Jesus because they knew that Jesus was compassionate. And Jesus couldn't be in the presence of sickness or suffering and do nothing. And they're thinking, if they're thinking it's the Sabbath, and if Jesus heals him on the Sabbath, we got him. And here's my sanctified imagination for you. The man is sitting right across from Jesus, and maybe he's thinking, I heard about this guy. Y'all listening to me? I heard about this guy, Jesus, and he heals the sick, and he raises the dead, and people come to him, and he touches them, and he heals them. And maybe this man was sitting there thinking, maybe today I'll get healed, like I've been hearing about. Maybe, and, and maybe hope is stirring. When we sing that song just now, hope is stirring. Hope is stirring in this man's heart right now. Look at verse 3. And Jesus answering spoke to them. Jesus answered. Was there a question asked verbally? The answer is no. So obviously Jesus knew they were questioning in their hearts. And that's why there's no point in hiding anything from God. Because God knows everything. Can the church say amen? God knows everything. We call that omniscient. God is omniscient. He knows everything. I mean, think about that. Wouldn't it be intimidating to have lunch with someone who knows everything you're thinking? So Jesus answered their unasked question. Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? And in verse four, they kept silent and Jesus took him and Jesus touched his life and Jesus drained all that fluid out of his life. And Jesus healed him. And can I tell you something? I'm going to move on. But can I tell you this? Jesus will touch you. And Jesus will drain all of that sin right out of your life. Jesus will drain all that guilt and that sin and that shame out of your life. And then he'll fill you with the Holy Spirit. And he'll let you go. And he'll set you free just like he did this man. And think about this. The Pharisees put him right in front of Jesus to trap Jesus. But what they meant for evil, God meant for good. Did you hear me? What they meant for evil, God meant for good. Because they were trying to trap Jesus when in fact, this man is probably thinking, good thing they put me in front of Jesus. But what they meant for evil, God meant for good. Let me tell you something. Do I have to tell you? What Satan means for evil, God means for good. 
God has turned around so many bad situations in my life just like that. And what men meant for evil, God has meant for good for Pastor Rodney. And he will do the same thing for you. Because that's just the kind of God we serve. Look at verse 5 and 6. Jesus looked at them and said, which one of you, if you had a donkey or an ox that had fallen into a pit, wouldn't put them, pull them out on the Sabbath? And listen, a donkey or an ox was like their tractor in their day. And Jesus is saying, listen, you will do things that are convenient for you and you'll do things that will take care of your property. It's idiotic to think it's okay to help an animal that has fallen into a pit on the Sabbath. But what about a life that has fallen into a pit? What about someone who needs something to sustain life? Is it not okay to help a man that's hurting? Your rules and your pseudo-spirituality is all messed up. And listen, guys, today, I think people, I think our culture is all messed up. I really do. People are more concerned, listen, people are more concerned today with animals than they are with people. You agree with that? People are more concerned with animals. Get this, in Oregon, I just learned this yesterday. In Oregon, there is a legislation that states that you can get up to five years in prison for killing the egg of a spotted owl. Five years in prison for killing the egg of a spotted owl. I read this story, true story from a newspaper article. Get this. A man for years has been chaining his bicycle to a tree out front of his shop. Until some tree hugger got bugged with him and decided that he was damaging the bark of this poor tree. And thereby would inflict some type of illness on the tree and the tree might get sick and fall down on an innocent person. And so he went to court. They took him to court and the judge ordered, true story, the judge ordered that the man hug the tree 21 times and kiss it five times and apologize to the tree. Is that not twisted? That's just weird. I mean, we live in a country where we are concerned about saving the spotted owl, saving the whale, the oil spills. Oh, that's big news. The oil spills and the birds, all the birds are dying and fish are dying. And and even marketing advertisers are taking advantage of a bad situation. I think it's Dawn, the commercial Dawn, the, the, the product dish soap Dawn. And they are, they're, one of their commercials is, you know, use Dawn to wash off the animals. Wash off the little birds and Dawn will get the oil off and break through the oil and all this stuff. We are so concerned with the spotted owl, with the whale, with, with, the, with, with the animals and with birds. And meanwhile, we forget that 34 million babies have been killed within 20 years. So kill the babies, save the whales. Are y'all getting me? This is a problem. We live in a weird culture. Jesus is saying you put more value on the life of an ox than the life of a sick man. I got to move forward. Look at verse 7 through 14. Look at verse 7. If you're looking at it, say I'm looking at it. So he told a parable to those who were invited. And he noted. Will you underline that? When he noted how they chose the best places, saying to them, when you are invited by anyone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in the best places, 
lest one more honorable than you be invited by him. And he who invited you and him come and say to you, give place to this man. And then you begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit down in the lowest place. Are y'all getting that? Go sit down in the lowest place so that when he who invited you comes, he may say to you, friend, go up higher. Then you will have glory in the presence of those who sit at the table with you. For in verse 11, great verse memory, verse matter of fact, read it with me, verse 11. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Well, then in verse 12, he also said to him who invited him, when you give a dinner or a supper, do not ask your friends, your brother, your relatives, nor your rich neighbors, lest they also invite you back. And you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you shall be repaid at the resurrection of the just. So notice Jesus begins to speak in parables. Now, Calvary Chapel folks, listen, help me out here. A parable, I've told you what it meant. A parable is what? An earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And this is an earthly picture. A parable is an earthly picture that we might understand a heavenly truth. You know, somebody once said that Jesus was a storytelling man. Don't you like that? He was a storyteller man. Jesus loved to tell stories. And one of the things, one of the many things that I love about Jesus is Jesus was a simple teacher, preacher, minister, Bible teacher. When you teach, be simple. Be, bring it down. You know, my pastor, his name is Pastor Bob Chapel, and Bob went to be with the Lord in March. And I was in India, actually. And he died of uh, complications with liver and kidneys. He had gotten some parasite or something, actually, in India. And he never really recovered from it. And one of the things that I will remember that Pastor Bob taught me early, early, are you listening? One of the things I remember him teaching me early in my ministry is he said, Rodney, when you teach the Bible, Put the cookies on the shelf where the kids can get them. That means bring it down. You know, so often, you know, our teaching is so high. People can't get it. You know, I watch Christian television. Y'all know, I tell you. In the mornings, I'm getting ready for church, and, you know, I'm brushing my teeth. I turn my TV. I've just got all TV preachers on all the time. My wife asked me, why you do that to yourself? All the time, I'm watching, I'm brushing my teeth, and they're teaching something, and I'm listening at this stuff. And this, nowadays, teaching in the church, I'm sorry, please forgive me, teaching in the church is weird. There's weird stuff coming at people. Nobody's teaching the Bible anymore. Everybody's teaching, oh, God showed me this, and God said this, and God said that, and one guy's on there all the time, and he's got a new book, uh, I don't know, a new book, old book, and he's giving you the seven keys of wisdom. 
And if you buy my book, you will get the seven keys of wisdom. I'm like, you know what? I don't need to buy your book for seven keys of wisdom. I got 66 books right here full of wisdom. Seven keys of wisdom. And they act like you won't have wisdom unless you get their book. Listen, if you read the word of God, you will get wisdom. If you ask God, he will give you wisdom. And he said, I won't withhold it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Can I get a witness? You understand. You'll get wisdom reading the word of God. There's so much weird teaching out there. I'm brushing my teeth. And I'm soaping up. I'm soaping up. Uh, toothpaste is coming out of my mouth. I'm listening to TV. I'm going, what are they guys teaching? And they're saying all kinds of weird stuff. And they can't get it. Nobody can get it. I can't understand it. And then when the audience is not getting it, then they say, oh, well, y'all just are not spiritual enough until, you know, when you get spiritual, then you'll be able to get it like me. Listen, you want to teach the word of God? Bring it down. If Jesus himself, who is God, can come down to the earth and take a little, ain't nobody listening to me, and take a little kid and put him on his lap and teach a child, what's your problem? Bring it down. Jesus taught simply. I mean, think about this. God condescended to our level and he speaks to man in familiar language so man can, of all ages, can grasp who God is and what God is all about. And Jesus used parables to reveal the truth in a very simple way for us. And Jesus wants people to understand God. And that's why Jesus said, if you see me, you've seen the Father. Because Jesus wants people to understand God. So if you see me, he said, you've seen the father. Jesus told a parable to the guests in verse seven. Go ahead and look at it. And when he noted how they chose the best places. Now, it's interesting. If you just go back up to verse one, you'll see it. It tells us that they were watching Jesus. Verse seven tells us that Jesus was watching them. Don't you love it? And he's watching the way they come in and sit down. Now, keep in mind, there are no place cards. Your name wasn't printed on a card. When the announcement came, it's time to eat. There was often a rush for the best seat. And the seating was on the floor, reclining around a table known as the triclinium. The triclinium is a three-sided table. And you would sit at the triclinium and you would lie down, kind of just lean back on one arm and you just take one hand, reach up and grab the food and just lean back and, and, and you kind of just eat while you're kind of laying down, which I think that's great. I mean, I think, I think we need to go back to that personally. And especially when, you know, you eat, now some of y'all know what I'm talking about. When you eat and you just eat stuff yourself to you just can't even stand up. You just want to fall on the floor. Well, if you are at a triclinium, you don't have to fall on the floor. You're already on the floor. I think this is a great idea. I think I'm on to something. And you don't have to fall. I mean, you're just on the floor. You know how you do it Thanksgiving. You, y'all know what I'm saying. No, you, don't lie. You're in church. And you just eat yourself sick. Do you, got, you eat yourself where you got to unbutton the top button and you know you ate too much. Only five people is telling the truth. The rest of y'all liars. And you eat yourself crazy. I mean, and then you, you just want to lay down. Well, if you get a triclinium, you're already on the floor. You just kind of roll over. And you're already there. So they would sit there. And there at the triclinium, there was a middle pillow. Listen, this is key. This is important. There was a middle pillow at each table. 
And the middle pillow was the place of honor. The place of honor was a seat that was closest to the host. It makes me think of James and John. Their mom asked if, if her boys could sit one on the right and one on the left of Jesus. And Jesus is sitting in the place of honor, Matthew 20, 21. And by sitting closest to the place of honor, you were saying me and the host are tight. So as the guests were coming in, Jesus noticed everybody jockeying for the place of honor. And Jesus said, listen, when you're invited to a wedding feast, don't try to get the best seat because the host might come up and say, excuse me, I intended for somebody else to sit in that seat and you have to get up in front of everybody else and you'll be more embarrassed because you have to go to a less important seat. But when you come If you sit in the lowest place, you've got nothing to lose. Look at verse 10. And if you're in the lowest seat, then the host might say, let me upgrade you to a higher seat. Now, here's the principle. It's in verse 11. Are y'all listening? Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be what, saints? Exalted. Now, context, context, context. Jesus is talking to a group of people who really care about what other people think. You know, nobody likes to be around people who are so caught up with other people and what they think. I mean, you ever been around people like that? I mean, they look at each other's hair and designer clothes. I think of like the red carpet. Like the red carpet for the, for the Grammys or, you know, what do you call it? These awards or whatever, people, whatever these folks are getting, they don't mean nothing these awards, and they really don't. I mean, they get a little trophy and put it where? Whatever. So they get a little, and then you come up on the red carpet, and somebody's there, and they go, oh, 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 he's just beautiful, just beautiful. Oh, just, who are you wearing? And they go, oh, Calvin Klein, Calvin Klein. Oh, it's just beautiful. I'm just waiting for one time. They go, oh, you just look so beautiful. You look so beautiful. Who are you wearing? J.C. Penney's. I just can't wait for that moment. Or, oh, you're just so beautiful. Who are you wearing? Oh, who are you wearing? Uh, Fifth store. They'll be like, what? But see, that's just pride, man. It's pride. John chapter 4, you taking notes? Please write this down. James chapter 4, verse 6. 1 Peter chapter 5, 5, both say the same thing. God resists the proud, but he gives grace, anybody know, to the humble. You know, the one condition of the heart that God will resist is pride. Why? Because pride drives a wedge between you and God. Pride drives, destroys nations. Pride destroys marriages and families, and it destroys moms, and it destroys dads. Pride keeps people from receiving instruction. They just aren't teachable. You try to teach them something. We all know people like that. You try to teach them something, they go, oh, I know that, I know that, I know that. They think they know everything. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18, write that down. It says, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Now, let me tell you something. Look at me. Let me tell you something. Never, 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 no, not ever, do not pray for God to humble you. I hear people praying in prayer meetings. Oh, Lord, Jesus, just humble me. Humble me, Lord. Humble me. And I'm like, you don't even be in a prayer meeting. You hear somebody pray something kind of crazy. And you just kind of like, and then you just kind of go. You kind of give that one. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You give that, you hear something, you go. 
<laughs> what you talking about, Willis? <laughs> you know, in your spirit. What you talking about, Willis? And they said, oh, Lord, Lord, just humble me, humble me. I'm like, please, dude, will you please? I want to stop and say, don't pray that. Because when God humbles you, something bad going to happen. Because when God humbles you, he's got to put you down. Matter of fact, and it's unbiblical to pray that way, because the Bible says that you are to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and he will exalt you. We are not to pray that God humbles us. We need to humble ourselves, and God will exalt you. Jesus was humble. Jesus is the ultimate example of one who humbled himself, and he took the lowest seat. I mean, this is a step down. Leaving the place of glory and a place of honor and a place of majesty and infinite freedom to take on a finite body. He took on flesh and became a man and he walked among us. And because he did that, Philippians chapter 2 tells us that God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is what saints? Lord to the glory of God the Father. Listen, because Jesus humbled himself, God exalted him. Philippians 2, 6 to 11. God exalted him. And if we humble ourselves, God will exalt us. God will exalt you if you humble yourself. Jesus was humble. We should be humble. Write this down. Romans chapter 2, verse 3. It says, a man shouldn't think more highly of himself than he ought. Love that verse. Romans 12, 3. A man shouldn't think more highly of himself than he ought. Just in case you didn't hear me. A man shouldn't think more highly of himself than he ought. You know, there's two kinds of people. It's those who think too much of themselves. They're a legend in their own mind. Y'all know folks like that? They think they're all that in a bag of chips. They think they're hot when they're not. They're just a legend in their own mind. They think too much of themselves. And then there's the person who doesn't think enough of themselves. And that's often false humility. You know, they say, I'm just so humble. I'm just so low. I play wall ball with the curve. I'm just so low. You know, they're like a spiritual Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh. I'm so low. I live in a gloomy place. You know? Listen, the Bible says a man ought not to think more highly than he ought, that we should think soberly. That means that we should make a sensible appraisal of oneself. You know, somebody once said the problem with humility is when you realize you have it, then you just lost it. Isn't that true? The problem with humility is when you realize you have it, you just lost it. Oh, I'm so humble. Oh, you're, you're proud of your humbleness. I'm proud of my humility. We should be humble before the Lord. Look at verse 12 through 14. Look at verse 12. Then he also said to him who invited him, when you give a dinner, y'all looking at it? When you give a dinner, y'all looking at it? When you give a dinner or a supper, don't ask your friends, your family, your brothers, your neighbors. Don't ask them. Now listen, Jesus isn't saying don't ever invite your family over, although some of you might already have that policy in place. This isn't a prohibition, but an exhortation. Don't just invite people over who can give you something in return, because this isn't the heart of God. God 
chose us and God saved us when we couldn't do anything in return for him. So keep in mind, keep the context here. Jesus has been invited for dinner. And so far, the Pharisees have been struck down. The guests have been put down and the host has been rebuked and corrected. Y'all think this dinner was kind of tense? I think so. And they're probably thinking, let's not have him back. And Jesus is like, I heard that because he knows everything. You know, you got to wonder what happened with this man and the dropsy. I mean, filled, body filled with fluid. I can't even imagine. His face and his, his face is filled with fluid. His arms and legs and his whole body is filled with fluid. And then Jesus just touches him. And all of a sudden, and his body is back to normal. And I think that if he's like any other person in the Bible that Jesus touched, he probably left running, leaping joyously and praising God. So many people in the scriptures that God has touched. We just looked at uh, Luke 13 of the woman who was bent over and Jesus touched her and immediately she stood up and she began to praise God. Luke chapter 5, as Jesus saw the four faithful friends who lowered the paralytic down through the, on a stretcher in front of Jesus. And when Jesus saw their face and their faith, he, he said, take up your bed and go. And the bed that was carrying him, he's now carrying. And this guy, filled with fluid, his whole life, his heart is struggling, lungs struggling. All of a sudden, Jesus touches him, and all that fluid is gone. I'm sure this guy was like Jack LaLanne. Jack LaLanne looked good. Y'all seen Jack LaLanne? For his age, he looked good. Jumping and leaping and praising God. Because Jesus, that's what he does best. Listen, I tell you all that to tell you this. That's what he does best. Jesus touches people's lives, and he makes them whole. Can somebody clap your hands like you know what I'm talking about? You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.